Torture. Hello and welcome to Torture Jams, the only music trivia podcast about the songs you love to hate and hate that you know. I'm your host, Ryan. Here with me always is my co-host, Katie. Hi! And on this very special edition of Torture Jams, my parents are playing. Yeah, we're Hey, Dad. Thanks for the invitation. Mom's there in the back. (laughs) Generally on this game... Long-time listeners will note the Torture Jams are generally focused around the late 90s to early 2000s, since these are the years that I was mostly listening to, how would you call it, shitty music? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. The pop, ones stuck in your head. shitty music. Yeah. yeah. But because this is, uh, you playing it for it, uh, we are adjusting that formula, and we're okay. picking songs closer to your youth. So the years Do we're they working go back with that years, far? Uh, we've always had songs that have been forgotten, and should have stayed that way okay so <laughs> well i hope i forgot them <laughs> all of the songs from tonight's quiz are ones that i know you've played for me before we either own them on cd growing up or you downloaded them from napster they're bands that we've talked about a lot of times you've talked about how great they are and how underrated they are okay so i'm digging into my memory here and i'm, I'm hoping that i'm getting this right and not so confusing your with goal other bands. Is, your goal is to prove me wrong basically <laughs> Okay. And that's why the theme of today's show is My Dad Could Beat Your Dad at Torture Jams. (laughs) This ended up being a kind of a difficult quiz to put together because I am less familiar with this genre of the classic arena rock. And what you get a lot of times nowadays is the the classic rock stations playing the same 25 songs over and over. So it's tough to remember back on the ones that have kind of been forgotten yeah, since the one-hit wonders. Yeah, yeah, people, people, thirty-five years and younger think there are literally fifty rock songs. That yeah, are prior, prior <laughs> to nineteen eighty-five. All right. So what I'll do first is repeat the rules of the quiz here. Rules of the game. Okay. So I'm going to play five songs, beginning with the intro, ending after the first chorus. At which time you'll need to tell me the name of the artist and the song title. Okay. You'll get one point for each correct artist title as we found that most of these songs have the title in the song. So no half points for just song title. Okay. And just as a heads up, despite how much I wanted to, there will be no Rush and no Godzilla by Blister Cult. Okay, well so. my odds of winning this game just got <laughs> They were just halved. So we'll uh, jump right in with song number one. Yes, the zoo. Uh, <laughs> animals in the zoo. Uh, the artist. I get till the end of the first chorus, right? Yep. It's a long intro. It is. Yeah. It's a live version, I think. Uh, this is the, the the studio one. Oh boy. For a studio <laughs> My ears have gotten old. Well, you can blame the Canadians for that one. Uh, I'm going to say it's either... I can't say either. I have to pick. Uh, yeah. The Zoo, Outfield. Uh, you can keep guessing. Okay. i got time. There's always more time. Uh, okay, you're going to give me a hint. Did I get the artist or the song right? Uh, I'm, I'm, neither. Neither. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I love this song. (laughs) 
How do we have the nerve to put animals in the zoo? This guy's voice is, his range is incredible. The singer of this band is fantastic. Oh, wow. This is what happens when your mom doesn't let me choose the radio stations. <laughs> I, I, for, I forget the stuff. Oh. <laughs> oh, how do we get the nerve? Oh, my lord. I mean, it's not Triumph. Is it Triumph? It's not Triumph. Oh, I've got to it be It is another close. Canadian band. Uh, uh, the Canadians are the only ones that have this kind of range. <laughs> uh, i got to concede. Dang it. Oh, I'm starting out bad. That was Zebra. Of course it was. <laughs> with their you 1983 hit. Close with the zoo reference. The song was Who's Behind the Door? Who's Behind the Door? Zebra. From their Thank you for the unhealthy reminder. Album. Yep. Fabulous tune. Great Ze- band, by the way. Highly underrated. That wasn't <laughs> we, their biggest we hit. We just learned something. Uh, Zebra originally formed in the mid-70s as a cover band before beginning to interject original material into their sets. On the success of the lead ahead singles Who's Behind the Door and Tell Me What You Want, Zebra's album Zebra is one of Atlantic's fastest-selling debut albums of all time. The band was unable to repeat the success of their debut and quickly faded into relative obscurity. Zebra was eventually introduced or inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame and the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, but have so far been snubbed by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which as most know is the one that actually matters. The band continues to tour and lead singer-songwriter Randy Jackson not that Randy Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> has been reportedly working on new material for the band, but there has been no update on this release in over four years. Who's Behind the Door peaked at number 61 on the Hot 100 and number 10 on the mainstream rock charts. I always thought it was a fun song. Top 10 hit. It not is a fun song. Not a lot of songs about aliens. Great. It's a great band. I feel so bad for the leads. How many Randy Jacksons exist in the world? There's, you know? there's, there's, there are too many. There there's, are too there's many. There's far too many. Yeah. So the one from American Idol is not the Randy Jackson from uh, Journey, right? That is yeah, also he, another Randy Jackson. No, I, he played with Journey. Okay, that's the same. Do, you, do your homework to con- convince me wrong. But yeah, he I was. I probably should have looked. He that was up first. one of the original. I think he was a bass player, if I'm not mistaken. But he was one I of the original. He was one of the original members of the band Journey. <laughs> Friends of Neil Sean. All right, we're going to go into song number two. I do have some questions about... I can't believe I didn't told get... me in the past that we're going to get to you later, but we're going to go right to number two, and then we'll get into a little bit more conversation after that. Fair. Sticking with the Canadian bands. This is Triumph. That's Rick Emmett. F- fabulous guitar player. Maybe you just only like... Canadian bands. I love Canadian bands. Some of the best musicians in rock and roll come from Canada. Rush, Papagandi. Absolutely. The two big ones. <laughs> and they have incredible voices. I don't know why they're... It's cold up there, so yeah. their nuts are really small. That's how they get the high range. <laughs> Lay it on the line. Triumph. There's also Celine Dion, Neil Young. Fabulous song. I really do like uh, Rick Emmett's guitar. Mm-hmm. 
Ryan for Rush playing together in Canada. That would be a dream show right there. Some of the best. Some of the best. I'm sure they played together. I didn't get to see them. Our, our, that was opportunity, a bummer, our opportunity to see Rush went away a few years ago. That yeah. was sad. That was definitely one that uh, shouldn't have slept on. I, I don't know if we ever had an opportunity to see him. Uh, I just missed it or if uh, it was just always wrong place, wrong time. I, I, for us, it was always a wrong place, wrong time. But I had chances when I was younger and I didn't go see him. And I kind of kicked myself. You know, I did see Journey live, and I didn't see Rush live, so I'm not a true rock and roll fan. I, <laughs> I actually have that to live with. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, can you tell us the story of the time you uh, dressed up like Keith Richards for your high school talent show? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, that, that I, I had a couple of pretty good experiences playing in the high school talent show, and uh, playing... Playing Keith Richards, I ended up looking like a girl. Uh, had to wear a wig. Had already started losing my hair. Very unfair. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't as good as the Monster Mash when I was the bride of Frankenstein and I didn't wear underwear. I borrowed my sister's. <laughs> I borrowed my sister's black nightgown to play on stage and had no idea that the lights from the stage made it see through. So I was, <laughs> I was naked on stage at my high school. During an assembly, playing on stage with teachers. This was a Catholic high school, too, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> Luckily, I had my guitar perfectly positioned, so I didn't completely embarrass myself. But, uh, yeah, that, that was that was good old days. Freeballing <laughs> in a nighty, Bold. Setting the tone. All right, we're going to go to song number three. One for one. I feel like I'm failing already. Did you give the, like, the song answer? No, I didn't. Thank you. That's why I keep you around. <laughs> Like I, like I said up top, despite how much we both love Rush, they aren't on tonight's quiz. So that leads us to the next best Canadian arena rock band ever, Triumph, and their 1979 hit song, Laid on the Line. Triumph originally formed as a blues band, but soon switched to the hard rock sound that would define their career. After amassing a significant following in Canada, Triumph was able to cross over to the States on their third album, Just a Game. Late on the Line peaked at number 86 on the Billboard Hot 100 and continues to be the most popular of the band's catalog, despite being among the lowest charted performances of their many singles. This could be clouded by us Americans, and most of my info coming from a combination of Wikipedia, Google searches, and Spotify data, because uh, Triumph seems to have had a very committed following in Canada, an incredibly successful career there. I don't know if maybe Canadians have their own Spotify where their songs are played differently, but uh, I guess in Canada, Triumph is a little bit more than what we think of here in America, which is just laid on the line in a couple of songs from that same album. They have a huge like a, library of music. Huge, I, if I would recommend people popular people band. search Triumph and listen to stuff that you've never heard before because they're great musicians great music like a lot of these bands they did put out tons of albums over the course of their career kind of just sticking it out they have the band the fans from their first big album and then never really get another big hit yeah uh, not the case with triumph i guess they, it's mostly canadian but uh they are back in the 80s they think had of pretty... a good equivalent here but the they had pretty decent radio airplay well back respected. in the 80s. Yeah. Not just a, a band you'd see yeah. on I Love the 80s No, well-known band. Well-known band. Soul off the TV. Again, kind of underrated. People should go back and listen to them. Now we'll go to song number three. Here we go. try to remember to do that. Let's try to keep it in order next time. Yeah. <laughs> Stick to your own freaking rules. <laughs> <laughs> This one's got 
kind of a long lead up. Yeah, it's Boston, no question. I feel like that's I, probably a little bit too. I feel like this this is from third nose. stage. It is from third stage. Okay. It's I yeah I know, I know biggest Boston fan in the world here, but it's a deep track. Oh. It, it takes okay. a bit to get into yeah. this song. That is one of the most underrated albums of all time. Third if you stage. If you haven't listened to it front to back, start to finish, Third Stage is one of the best produced albums of all time. Fabulous Boston album. But it's just a great album. So this is the launch? That's the launch. Yeah, okay, the launch from Third Stage. There's not really a chorus, so I'll just play it until we feel like cutting it off. Oh, I can listen to this for a while. I can listen to this for a while. So so the thing about Boston that is so interesting is, you're going to tell us this when you start explaining who they were, but Tom Schultz, the, the, the creator of that band, recorded the entire first album in his basement, basically by himself, and then he brought in the, the, the lead singer to... Uh, Brad Delp. Uh, Brad Delp, thank you. Brad Delp, uh, rest in peace. Uh, brought him in to just basically fill in the gaps for an album that he produced by himself, playing all the instruments himself, incredible musician. One of the best musicians of all time. And he wrote all their songs. And he produced And we got to see him live, outside, in California. That was a terrific concert. That was a lot of fun. Great concert. So yes, this was not a single. It was not a hit song. It was only included because my dad here is one of the biggest Boston fans I've ever encountered. And I was wondering <laughs> if he could recognize one of their deeper tracks. An that, interlude, if you will. It's fabulous. It's a great song. You have to listen to it on big speakers as loud as your neighbors will allow you to, to play your music. That's, that, that's where you play Third Stage. That was the launch from their 1986 album, Third Stage. Boston has sold over 75 million albums worldwide, making them one of the best-selling artists of all time. So if you consider that the world, I tried to do this math, if you consider that the world population at the time Third Stage was released was about 5 billion, you can roughly assume that one out of every 70 people on the planet owned a Boston album in the uh, mid to late 80s. The interesting thing about that is they weren't one of those bands that pumped out an album every year. Nope. The, the distance between their albums was, you know, four or five years, six years. It was incredible how few albums they put out and still became one of the most popular bands in that time frame. I don't have it here, but I think the Boston self-title would have been 75, 70, between 75 yes, and 79. Yeah. Yep. So mid-70s. A good seven years between their uh, freshman and junior releases. Yep, and their producers were begging them to put albums out, and Tom Schultz says, I'm not putting an album with my name on it until I feel like it's perfect. And I think so he was a perfectionist. That's what creates the best albums and I feel like leaving space between albums allows musicians to like live life get better at their craft and then be able to also edit down into everything being perfect in its place yep and create absolutely better albums. and what would you get on the other side of it is was it Joe Walsh you know only be able to write songs about being a rock star because that's the only thing he knows anymore yep yeah, no, I don't think Tom Schultz ever tried or even succeeded to become a mainstream, well-known, popular figure. The band was always very popular. But the other thing I'd say about five to six, seven years between albums is growing up at that time, having bought the first album when it came out, waiting for the next album was actually kind of fun, thinking back on it. It was it was interesting to just, you know, they're going to have an album this year? Nope. 
next year. Are going to have them? Nope. You know, it's like waiting for it was anticipation and kind of fun. That You don't get that anymore. People crank out so much music now that uh, there is no anticipation. What's the next album going to be? Uh, I specifically included the launch because I remember you downloading this song from Napster and telling me about how cool it was that it was a musical recreation of a spaceship launch. That's Tom Schultz. Yep. Genius. Now, like you said, it was really fun seeing him at that state fair. Great Which times. one was it? Paso Robles one? Uh, yeah, the Paso Robles In Paso Robles? Yeah, one of the... Okay, so one of the funnest things about that show is we brought my niece Jordan with us and uh, she, she <laughs> didn't listen to rock and roll music, so... <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and I were on our chairs, literally standing on our chairs, and she was sitting down with her arms crossed thinking, why in the hell did they bring me here? But it was <laughs> it was still a fabulous show. Well, I mean, <laughs> hopefully these people have been to Paso Robles, too, because that, I would kind of agree to it. Oh, my God. Them. Watching guys in cowboy hats, you know, fist pump to Boston was a that's, a... that's an experience. That's an experience. I'm sure the band Boston was surprised to be there at that time in their career. I also want to ask you about a time you told me that... You had booked a band to play your high school dance that had just gotten off the tour, I think, with Van Halen. Okay, this was one of the greatest undiscovered bands to come out of Seattle. It was Rail. And Rail had just come off tour with Van Halen, and they were, uh, you know, nobody knew them. They played in California, uh, came back to Seattle. The, the tour had purchased a truck and trailer for them, you know, like a semi-truck with a trailer to haul their equipment on the tour with Van Halen. And so they had all of this massive equipment and they were one of our favorite local bands. So I went to a Catholic school and uh, I got on the committee to do a weekend dance. And, you know, I think of a Catholic school and a Catholic dance, they expected something different than we brought. Cause we brought, we brought rail and they absolutely exploded <laughs> in that, in that auditorium. I, I almost got suspended. Uh, we, uh, I think they made it through the first song before the principal pulled me and the two guys that uh, I was working with that got that band back behind the stage and absolutely reamed us out. But it was a fabulous set. And it was the way that I could see Rail without paying for it. I didn't we got to see them for free. Did they let them fit the band finish the set? Oh, yeah. They played the, it wasn't their fault. They played the whole concert. But, you know, the entire student body was like, who in the hell are these guys? Because it was a heavy metal band. I mean, it wasn't a dance band. But if you get a chance, look up Rail from, the, from Seattle and uh, play the song Hello. And uh, it's a it's a fabulous song, great band. Just didn't have much of a they didn't have much of a, a national audience. They were on MTV. Uh, I re I do recall they had a video on MTV and uh, Martha, what was her name? Black haired gal that uh, that was a VJ video disc jockey on the original MTV when they used to play music. But she loved them, so she actually played their music a lot on MTV. That was kind of fun. Nobody in the country knew them except us, but it was kind of fun to see them. So yeah, well we'll uh, we'll play that song at the end. Rail. Yeah. The song is Hello. Fantastic song. They started every one of their shows with that song. We're going to song number four, and I think you'll probably know this one. It's funny to me that you remember all the stuff I told you because most of it I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> So not everybody likes Billy Squire. I, I think I, I think he's one of the coolest guys to ever play, be, to ever be a frontman for a band. We're just gonna listen to this one for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'd call it uh, less cerebral than the Cars, uh, a little bit more mainstream. Definitely makes me want to go out and buy a denim jacket. So yeah, it makes it makes young guys want to go buy a guitar. I mean, he's one of those guys that wants to make people play music. 
awesome. I kind of love her. Billy Squire. So, the other interesting thing about the band, the drummer, if you if you got people listening to your show that, you know, were, were alive back in the 70s, uh, the drummer's name was Animal. I don't know what his real name was. They've called him Animal. And he was like 8 foot 10, and he was just massive <laughs> dude. I, he was probably 6'8", you know, 6'9". Had huge, massive, curly black hair. Never really wore a shirt, and they called him Animal for a reason. The guy was just a ridiculous drummer, crazy drummer, fabulous band to see live. Billy Squire. When did you see him live? I never saw him live. Oh, I've seen him. Okay. I've, I've never actually seen him at a show, but I've seen them in videos many times. So you're, yep, you're correct. Uh, the target demographic for this show will probably best know this artist from the hit The Stroke. The song Billy Madison is blasting from his bitchin' Trans Am when he arrives at high school. <laughs> yep, stroke may, stroke may. Katie, will you please read this line from Billy Madison? Why do you keep doing this to me? Chloroform? More like boraform. <laughs> <laughs> but the man who would redefine the arena rock sound of the 80s and bridge the power pop and hard rock genres was Billy Squire... Here with my personal favorite, My Kind of Lover. Coming off an unremarkable debut solo album, Billy Squire released his second album, Don't Say No, in 1981 to mass commercial and critical acclaim. The album spent two years in the Billboard Top 5 album charts, selling over 3 million copies during this period and spawning four top 100 singles, including The Stroke, In the Dark, Lonely is the Night, and My Kind of Lover. Most recently, Billy Squire has been a regular member of Ringo Starr in his all-star band. And within the last six weeks of recording this podcast, has released a new EP with previously unreleased material he recorded with his good friend, Freddie Mercury. I did not huh. know that. Wow, that's something to look forward to. They were very close. I didn't know that. I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing that. That's, that sounds cool. Uh, you told me once you might have kissed a member of Heart. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you got to this story. <laughs> so why, how did you jump from Billy Squire to Oh, we're just thinking Nancy of your Wilson. anecdotes, quite so frankly. This, so, yeah, that's Nancy Wilson. Yeah, I uh, my claim to fame. Yeah, I think I was in fourth grade, and uh, we were outside the 7-Eleven. If anybody that I know is listening to this... You've probably heard this story because it was one of the most <laughs> one of the most uh, fabulous things that happened in my childhood. We were, there was four or five of us in uh, in Hart is from Seattle, actually grew up in Seattle, and they had a little studio right next to this Seven Eleven, if you can believe that, on Ambaum and Twenty First in Burien, and they were driving an old suburban. Well, I call it old; it probably wasn't old back then, but uh, they were driving a suburban. They were coming out of their studio, getting in their car, and my buddy Dave Castonia recognized. Anna and Nancy Wilson, they walked right up to us and we were uh, kind of, you know, taken back by it. And he said, you're Anna and Nancy Wilson. And they asked, you know, everybody, you guys want an autograph? And I looked at Nancy Wilson. I said, no, I want to kiss. And so I got to kiss Nancy Wilson on the sidewalk in front of a 7-Eleven <laughs> when I was in fourth grade. And yes, it was spectacular. <laughs> she, she actually is still touring and playing very well. Heart's a great band. I've heard that they're fun to see live. Uh, they kind of get roped into the the higher echelon of the like seventies and eighties reunion tours. Uh, yep. They'll get to play like festivals that are with more mainstream bands because I think they still have that name recognition in Barracuda. So young always rocks. So younger people that didn't grow up with Heart uh, might have seen them inducting Led Zeppelin in the Hall of Fame ceremony. I don't know if you watched that or not, uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, watch watch uh, Google the the Led Zeppelin introduction ceremony and Heart. 
did the tribute and they played a, a montage of Zeppelin tunes that was spectacular. Ann Wilson still has a fabulous voice. So that was a, that's a pretty cool show, to, something to watch. Cool. All right. Going on to the last song of the evening. How am I doing so far? I'm like, you are three for four. Okay. All right. That first one's pissing me off. <laughs> Zebra. I don't know why I think that song is called The Zoo. That's because what they say. They don't think that's So this sing. is the greatest California singer-songwriter <laughs> of all time. Stay, Jackson Brown. We'll talk about Jackson Brown for a second. So this guy, this guy has written some of the most impressive songs as a singer-songwriter. Some of the most impressive songs anybody can listen to. You have to when you listen to Jackson Brown, you got to go back and actually listen to the lyrics. This guy is spectacular. Great musician. Still touring. Yeah. This is probably the one song everybody recognizes from Jackson Bound. It's actually one of my, it's my least favorite of his music. I don't really? even care for it, yeah. But great, great musician. I think I said up top that these were all from albums we owned. I'm actually pretty sure this was the only CD I grew up with, uh, thinking back on it. So is this, the, the, the album is, it's The Loadout? Uh, running on Empty. Ru- thank you, Running on Empty. Yeah, yeah. The Loadout's going to follow. This is the You're correct. Again, making you four for five. That was Jackson Brown and Stay. I really labored over the song to include last year. Uh, wanted to throw in a cheap trick. Try to do another. Kind of wish you up with another deep track. Kind of wished you would have. Uh, <laughs> considering we were working on seeing them together for years, and finally got to see them after uh, you, Marlon, and I went to that festival after you broke your ankle on a hunting trip. And I still thank you for pushing me across that dirty that field was in a wheelchair. That <laughs> was <laughs> that was really a labor of love for you guys to get me out to that field. I in a in a cast in a wheelchair. That was impressive. You we didn't get any special accommodations. At some they, point, they were, I think it's... Kind of no, hell no. They were pissed off that I was taking up with too much space. No, that was a good show. That was a great show, actually. Uh, you remember how they were introduced? Uh, and now, introducing the greatest fucking rock and roll <laughs> band of all time. I mean, it was like this massive voice came over. Like, yeah, they got that right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I liked... Uh, was Everclear was opening mm-hmm. weirdly, uh, and then the lead singer of Everclear comes out on stage during Surrender and tries to grab the mic. Yeah, he thought <laughs> he was going to jam. Um, he thought he was going to jam with Cheap Trick, and the Cheap the the whole member. Every member of Cheap Trick was like, "Get the f out of here!" They were like <laughs> they pushing him off the stage. stage. <laughs> They're like, "Don't come out here with us." <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I forget his name. As I've said on this podcast before, uh, we kind of grew up with a fairly limited CD collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably f- few more than I can remember, but it was mom CDs that I really remember having. Really? Yeah. Do you remember that you had uh, basically three CDs? <laughs> Purple Rain, right? Purple Rain was one of them, definitely. Know, Prince, Michael Jackson. You had. Uh, we didn't have Thriller. No. No, we had Stop Making Sense. Yeah, I love. Oh, Talking Heads. Yep. Yeah. And Dookie. Yep. Yeah. Green Day. Green Day. Uh, we still listen yep. to those today. We also had. Uh, I think we have Money Track too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think these ones were yours. It was Elton John, Honky Cat. Yeah, and, great album. And Jackson Brown running on MT. Yeah. Uh, as well as, well, I have my notes here, The Best of Ray Charles. Yeah. Not that one. Uh, and then a handful of Garth Brooks and other 90s country you bought after we moved to Salt Lake City. Yep. I got. <laughs> I, I actually got introduced to country music when I drove from 
Seattle to Salt Lake City by myself, and I got out of range of regular radio stations, and I didn't have a tape player or a CD player, so I had to listen to country stations in the middle of nowhere in Utah, and by the time I got to where we were going, I actually liked it. <laughs> I grew up with, like, 90s country music. My grandpa was into older country music and loved that too, Yep. but grew up on 90s country music because of the fact that my mom lied to us and said that the only music that they play in Nevada is country music. <laughs> it is. So I had no idea that there was that something else. True. I don't it true? is. Well, yeah. like, like I just said, try driving across Utah one time. And <laughs> like, uh, we are actually building a '90s country episode, and I am going to try and beat my brother at it. Yep. <clears throat> so that's another episode. So stay tuned for that one coming up, in which Katie will finally be a contestant on the show. Uh, yeah. Battling in our first, what would you call it, lightning round? I don't know. Torture jam. We'll figure out the terminology, I suppose. <laughs> I don't think I fully under appreciated Jackson Brown until I got older. Uh, learned about his back catalog, his influence on modern music. He's really all over the place. Uh, his contributions to all genres is is nuts. Uh, yep. Especially the impact of Running on Empty. Didn't realize it was a concept album for years of listening to it. Concept being. He wrote it all on the road. And he recorded, recorded it on the he, road. He recorded it on the road. and uh, So it's a combination of live songs, songs yeah. recorded in hotel rooms on the tour bus. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, he wrote he wrote several of the songs on that album on the bus, and then they practiced on the bus, and when they got to their hotel room, they recorded it, and that's what you're hearing on the album is the actual live recording from their hotel so rooms. So it, it kind of takes the whole concept of making a, a concept album about a tour to another level because it is truly an album made on a tour. Yep. Uh, the last song on the album is the song featured tonight, a cover of the 1960 doo-wop hit originally from Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. It was partially written by Jackson Brown as a song meant to convey concern that the audience wouldn't stay for an encore. Hmm. I didn't know that. I knew that it was an appreciation for his roadies. You know, that song goes into uh, go, goes into a song he wrote to show appreciation for the guys that haul his equipment around. Oh, huh. Most yeah. of that album was just, you know, selfishly done for his roadies and his musicians. But. So you got four out of five. Okay. It's one of the better scores we've had. We've had... I didn't uh, know that. I think we've had one other four out of five. One person who got all of them, but that's because... I made it just for her, and like, I mean, she. I kind of feel like you made this just for me because it was it wasn't all that tough. But I'm disappointed in myself for not getting zebra, and I apologize to the whole band for that. (laughs) So for our bonus round tonight, you can double your score. Well, now what I'm going to do is get two and a half. I'm going to have two bonus questions. You get two and a half points per question. Okay. Um, These are very specific to our experiences at concerts together when I was in. Middle school. Okay. Corn being my least favorite. Uh, that is unfortunately a high school experience. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Me- I was terrified. I was terrified during that concert. There, was, there were so many it, neo-Nazis. It, it was, was scary. <laughs> it was literally scary. But wasn't it 50 Cent that opened up for him? No, that's the show I'm talking oh. I'm going to talk about right okay, now. Okay, we're jumping ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So me, you, and a friend of mine from middle school went to a music festival in Clifton Park, New York that was headlined by The Used and 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. During the Hate Breed set, we lost my exceptionally short friend in the crowd as the people separated into a massive pit. Yep. What was the name of this friend? Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> What was the name of this friend? 
that is hilarious. It was. I don't remember his last name. It was Josh. Uh, uh, da- McDaniels? Uh, nope, you're going with the wrong ethnic stereotype. Oh, it's Josh. <laughs> little, little, little Josh. <laughs> little Josh. Little Josh. Uh, is that close enough to get a point, or I, I got to nope, get, get the last name? God damn it! <laughs> uh, can can my wife help me? Can I yeah. can I phone yeah. a friend? I'll phone a friend. <laughs> if Mama remembers, you got the point. I don't know. Jo- uh, <laughs> I did. Jewish, uh, Jewish last name. Maybe it's I, I attended his bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a little Jewish dude. Uh, <laughs> ah, Josh. Why did he would have? You call out did me? he have a traditionally Jewish last? His very Jewish last name. Okay. Throw a couple out there. Well, you're going to have your oh, steams, you're going to have your bergs, you're going to have... It's all at the end. Typically. Oh, for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I'm surprised I got Josh. So yeah. we're, uh, I feel like I got halfway there. Uh, Steenberg. It's pronounced Steinberg. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Josh. I'm, I'm going to give you a point for Josh. It's Josh Goldsmith. Oh. <sighs> Wouldn't have got that in a million years. <laughs> While we were living in New York, I attended... We did find him, yeah. by the way. We, we did find him. <laughs> he was, you don't want to leave he your audience. He was fine. Yeah, we did find him. He was fine. Uh, his parents didn't really let me hang out with him a lot after no, that. But... That's probably why I didn't know his last name. They might have taken me out of their Rolodex. Okay. Of the five... Oh, see, I attended five concerts at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center while SPAC. living in New York. Yep, yep. SPAC. You were there for three of them. Yep. What is the name of the headliners we saw together? Okay, so... Uh... Whew. We we went and saw Carlos Santana, fabulous fabulous concert. So That's Santana one. Yep. was one. Uh, oh boy! Now I got to think through this. Uh, it was a, a three year band, singer songwriter. His dad was a, a minister. Oh, for crying out loud! His dad was a minister. How yep. do you know his dad's profession? I know everything because about the band except the name important. of the band. Because it's very important to this band's history. Oh, shit. That, uh, their casual connection to Christianity. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Um, oh, I cannot believe I'm, I'm, having, a, I'm having a blank moment. I, I can't think of the band's name. Tell me the lead singer's first name. Scott. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know what it is. Uh, it's not coming to me. Uh, it's like Zebra. Water, <laughs> oh, for crying oh, no. out. <laughs> This uh, podcast's second favorite band behind Limp Bizkit. I am so disappointed in myself right now. Thing. Come on, you know it. I'm being distracted right now. Is my was my impression not helpful? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud, <laughs> darling, help me with this. Uh, I can't believe I can't think of the band name. I can't believe it. Actually, that is just incredible. I'm at a loss. All right, you got one other show. Uh, okay, we're up at Spack seeing. I'll give you a hint. It was a festival. There were probably eight or nine bands there that day. Yeah. Was it just me and you and Marlon? Marlon didn't go. Just me and you. Just yep. me and you. So are you asking for okay. a festival name? The lead, no, probably the, the, the festival name. If the you headliner. get the festival name, you get another extra point because uh, I had to I look it up. I don't remember the festival name. I don't even remember the bands we saw there. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. Well, 
I, sh- I shouldn't have I'm said... I'm glad these memories were as cherished by you <laughs> as they were by me. Oh. <laughs> Four for five on, on radio songs and one for three on concerts I attended with my son. I'm embarrassed. The ones you missed were Creed? Of course it was Creed. (laughs) And that was the Big Day Out Festival, headlined by Stained. Stained. Oh, I do remember that. And, uh, oh, there was another... Evanescence, Eve Six. Was that... uh, Was that the ones with the piercings that had, like, the saber-toothed, like, No, no, I think... It was that. uh, Cold, maybe? So who's the lead singer for Stained? Aaron Lewis. Yeah, Aaron Lewis is kind of that whole band. Uh, He wasn't feeling good, if I remember correctly. He Uh, only played... I think he was feeling strung out on drugs. He played, like... (laughs) He played, like, like two or three songs, and they were done. They, They didn't even play a full set, but... Uh, so Evanescence was great. Eve Six was spectacular, but I do remember the microphone stopped working about halfway through the first or second song, and the lead singer threw it down on stage and it exploded. It yeah. was fantastic. I still remember that part of it. <laughs> ah, that was a good. That was a good show, actually. All right, and since we have not figured out how to end this show, uh, I had an idea. What is a song you think people should listen to? Oof, I, I don't have a song, so I, I, I've... Uh, I was going to play it over the last part of the show, so if you have a band, I'll pull them up. Oh, but... We're, we're going to listen to Rail, Hello by Rail. All right, That's what I'm going to pull that up right now. Do you have anything else you want to pitch? Are um, you watching anything good right now? Or... Ooh, this band has less than 3,000 listens ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, they underrated. <laughs> No, I haven't seen any good stuff. Don't watch Godzilla vs. King Kong. You'll be very disappointed. <laughs> you got to turn it up a little bit. And if you have a garage band at home, learn how to play this song and start every set you ever play for the rest of your life with this particular song. You've got to have a good guitar player, though. They had a follow-up album in 2001. This is how they started it. 1980. I wonder if these guys played Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) I have a feeling they did. They kind of sound Canadian. But they let off that dance at Kennedy High School with this song, and the speakers were taller than the stage. It was spectacular. People's hair was flying back from the... (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Is that an image of... Those Here is Rail in 1980. That is oh the epitome gosh. of 80s. Games. I'm super jealous of this man's like skin and hair. He's five foot two. That's his real height right there. The other guys are just average size. He's five foot two, and he wore these big, huge, long, furry boots at every show. These huge boots that hair came down. Not horrible, huh? That's great. It, yeah, it kind of grows on you. <laughs> Have no idea what Van Halen saw on these guys, but they toured with them for a year. Well, Spotify likes to describe them as one of the countless hard rock bands that got a chance at the top and then just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, they go. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. <laughs>
Well, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, and thank you for everyone listening at home. If you like the show, uh, subscribe, follow, tell your friends. Uh, if you have any suggestions for songs that should be on the show, or if uh, you just want to correct me on anything I got wrong in my research, you can email me at torturejams at gmail.com. Katie, you got anything else? I got nothing. All right, then we will catch you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>